Show host Jonathan Joestar Beltran here. Welcome to your backdoor anime hangout. That is Otaku Arley. We are doing a series to honor those in the anime community and industry for their talent, creativity, and boundary-pushing vision, taking anime from where it was to where it is now and further on to the future. In this series, we are going to be focusing on the Academy Award-nominated and critically acclaimed director Mamoru Hosoda. Some of his works include The Girl Who Left Through Time, Summer Wars, Mirai, and the latest in his filmography, Bell. Come and enjoy with your backdoor anime hangout as we talk about an anime legend. Before we start the show, I want to let you all know the views, opinions, beliefs, and statements expressed are not necessarily those of 22West Radio and Otaku Hourly. They are, in fact, of the host, guest, and or caller. 22West Radio and Otaku Hourly hold no responsibility for the validity and or accuracy of information. Now with that out of the way, here we go. Social media has become a cultural and lifestyle mainstay for the 21st century. Virtual reality is an ever-growing space with users from all over the world. And with both platforms comes a duality. Our real life, or IRL, and online. Some like to integrate it, others keep it separate. Director Mamoru Soda explores this duality in his newest film, where we feature a shy high schooler from a rural town who enters into the virtual reality to become Belle, a globally famous virtual idol. And when her virtual concert runs amok by a mysterious user, she investigates further and finds much more than meets the eye. Hasoda takes it a step further by melding it with the classic tale of Beauty and the Beast. More on that coming at your backdoor anime hangout. We are 22 West Radio, the next wave of KBH. 22 West Radio is 22westmedia.com and 88.1 FM KKJZ HD3, Long Beach, Los Angeles. Coming in at your 9 o'clock hour, it's Otaku Alley, your backdoor anime hangout. Show host, Jonathan Joestar Beltran here. Welcome to your backdoor anime hangout. That is Otaku Alley. I am joined with the crew. Marvin, a.k.a. Marth. Mythical Missa. A Cliff. It's Rev. And the Dex. And we are here to talk about Mamoru Hosoda's newest movie at the time of the recording, Bell. So simply put, it is Mamoru Hosoda taking on social media. And so we're going to be talking about that. And also, we would like to express our thanks to... G Kids and 42 West for this opportunity for a screener. So, thank you. With that being said, let's go talk about it. Uh, what did you all think about this film? Marvin, we'll start off with you. Um, okay, right off the bat, um, it's really colorful. Uh, I love the music, love this, the soundtrack that uh, they've blended. One other big thing, I did not know this was going to be like a modern take of Beauty and the Beast. I loved the style of the animation and everything. I loved kind of the conflicting um, 
like styles of like beauty and like all the things that are pretty and kind of k-pop to something that's like a little bit more of like a regular fairy tale but then something that's a little bit more darker and the style alone is a reason to go see this but the twist ending and just how all the characters interact and how all the characters really build off of each other is reason enough it is amazing a retake of Beauty and the Beast mixed with social media. A very interesting take on how they actually combine the two. And fun fact, I actually did some little research about Belle. And it is apparent, obviously, it is a clear influence from Beauty and the Beast. And would you know that the designer of Belle, turns out she was actually drawn by a veteran Disney animator and character designer, Jin Kim. Uh, check him out. He actually has some really good, uh, has some really uh, good designs, and yeah, it's actually interesting. Like, it kind of took me a while, but I finally realized to put together. Like, I was like, "Oh my god, is Beauty and the Beast in social media?" So, and to actually add to connection, it turns out one of the people who actually designed Belle did for Disney. So I, so pretty much the dots were put together. Right. It seems like kind of like a full circle event, if you will. Yeah, it pretty much came full circle. I genuinely 100% believe that Hosoda is, like, really masterfully understanding perspective in anime now. Mm -hmm. As in, like, he really places you in the world with the way that the camera doesn't move and the way that the people pause and wait for the moments to happen. You know, like, a lot of times in anime, you, like, you'll complain if it's really too slideshowy looking at you, Shokugeki, or if it's, mm -hmm. like... <laughs> It's driving its point through, but not letting the moments happen, if that makes sense. Like, oh, we got to get to the next story point. Let's get to that next story point. And that's what like a lot of anime does. But this movie lets you hang on specific moments. And his general directing style lets you hang on specific moments. Again, like in Mirai, where like you're, we're just watching a conversation of them packing their car and understand and like comparing themselves as parents, you know? So... Um, my experience is actually a little bit different. I, I was actually kind of spoiled that it was going to be Beauty and the Beast, um, uh, sort of like a Beauty and the Beast sort of um, approach to this film. And so I went into the film kind of expecting that. And at first I thought, you know, oh, it's probably going to be like a love story, um, um, you know, that's going to be centered around like sort of like her character arc um, and her eventually like finding love or something. Um, but, you know, um, no spoilers, like, the movie really doesn't go in that direction. And I think, like, I don't know if it was subversive to the rest of you because you didn't have that same expectation, but to me, I was really caught off guard. And, honest, and honestly, just the most viscerally emotional way possible. I really have to give props to the animation, I have to give props to the music and the score, as well as just her, vo just her singing voice. And oh my god, I want this soundtrack so bad. <laughs> oh my god, yeah. And really, the storytelling. Just, I was really impressed. Mm. And I think that's a good jumping off point here because there's a lot of great things that we could see in this film from the singing, from the storytelling, from the animation, the style. And I think one of the big ones that we can really talk about is just the Beauty and the Beast narrative, like kind of the subversion of Dex. Can you go a little bit further 
with what you meant by the subversion of that. It's a little hard to without spoilers, so I'll do my best to dance around it. I, I guess maybe the best way of putting it is is that it, the focus of the story isn't really a love story, which is something you would expect out of, well, something copying the Beauty and the Beast. It isn't to say that there aren't like romantic elements in it, but it, you know the themes of the story have much more to do with our protagonist, her, um, her past experiences, and in many ways overcoming trauma. Right. As well as helping others overcome like trauma. And right. so I um and to me, like it was such an interesting way to go with the story for something, like I said, based on Beauty and the Beast. And so mm-hmm. it it just was so, like um, you know, there were some aspects of it that really reminded me of Summer Wars, obviously. Um, but at the same time, too, it really just kind of felt like its own thing. Like it, um, it, it's like if you combined Beauty and the Beast and Summer Wars, but sort of made the plot its own. Right. Um, yeah. But I, I'll go into more once we can actually spoil things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I. I. Yeah. I, I think for me, I was just so I was caught off guard because I I didn't know what to expect about the film. I only saw what was presented in the poster. And I think I was just surprised when Beauty and the Beast became a thing because don't get me wrong, later in like in the middle of the movie, you could see like elements, uh, especially like scene for scene uh, taken from the, uh, at least from my own experience with Beauty and the Beast, the, the Disney classic back in the 80s and 90s. And I, I think with what you were going uh, with Dex, I, I personally found it uh, really great where it is just, it felt like a jumping off point and a, and a shift in terms of character dynamics, uh, especially in a virtual reality world um, that is you. And it, it's very, very, it's done tastefully and it's done in a way that, uh, I guess it reminds me of just the whole popular saying, like, uh, great artists steal. I think what Mamoru Hosoda did with the Beauty and the Beast uh, narrative and just basically kind of like the elements, he understood the story and weaved it into his own and made it not only just kind of stylized, I think he also really make it purposeful like there is an actual uh significance in utilizing elements from the story from the beauty and the beast story and even thematically speaking i think it's quite emotionally powerful as well um i don't i don't want to like speak up too much but i do have one really hot take i want to kind of just say and then i'll be done um (laughs) go ahead i i actually just in my opinion this is kind of how I want adaptations to be done from now on. Mm. I don't really like one-to-one adaptations. I really like when somebody takes the concept of another story and sort of runs with it. Like a lot of the Disney films that people actually like love and behold are very different from, you know, the original um, like Grimm's fairy tales or a lot of the stories that they came from. And I feel like this is sort of a modern sort of way of doing that. Where it's like, it's very much Beauty and the Beast, and it's also very much like Summer Wars, but it's its own thing while still in some ways kind of being an adaptation. Right. 
like it, it feels like inspired like it in its purest definition or at least in a in a very uh great way this is what inspired looks like i think Absolutely. what i think kind of what dex is saying and like kind of just overall like why it works is because they kind of took um the elements of beauty and the beast i think they're overlooked because of course the original beauty and the beast it's very much a love story but underneath it all and Overall, it's a story of acceptance, no matter like how they look on the outside, because of course the beast it's called the beast for a reason and everything. But on the outside, of course, he's he's ugly, he's a beast. But on the inside, because she learns what's on the inside, it really transcends, and we really see who the person is underneath it all. Right, and if I. And I want to extend this out with the setting, and that is social media slash virtual reality. In my personal opinion, I, I just think this is such a very apt way of communicating that narrative because in social media, okay, I, I may sound like a boomer. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> but it, it's like we have different lies. We have like a different way we communicate that we present ourselves on social media sites because you know real world be its own thing and i think social media uh to a certain extent could create that new persona that new reality that people can experience us um uh, that we just can't really communicate and it's shown through a character like suzu naito the pivotal protagonist of it all where she, like you mentioned, Dakota, uh, where it was like she is going through trauma, like, uh, and it, it really handicaps her from actually being able to sing, which is her forte that she flexes on her virtual avatar, Belle. And I, I think it's kind of seeing how this dualism of just the online persona versus the IRL uh, you uh, in this case um, so I, I just think for me like the setting with the Beauty and the Beast narrative it just fits like a glove it's so apt it's so perfect uh, at least that's what I think I agree and like I think it also shows with um, some of the other characters because yes, the main focus is on Belle, but we do see kind of a wide variety of other characters or like other people's kind of personas through online lenses. We see that other um, K-pop star and uh, like we see all these other kind of like creature people, like they aren't their own selves. They're kind of wearing a mask, not showing who they truly are, but they're kind of being their true selves through this avatar, very much like Belle showing her, her audience her people hey this is me and at first people didn't like like maybe she wasn't so like big but obviously became something more right right what do you guys think i kind of like the fact that she struggled <clears throat> with having like people who liked her and also people that hated her i think that was really realistic mm. yeah can I just add when when like uh, so this is just me being 
like being a fanboy of this film, I really like the depiction when they showed like how Susie Naito really dealt with like all these jealous girls in the form of like I guess you would call it like civilization. <laughs> it's just it, it's so out of left field. It's like what the heck is this? Like it, right? Yeah, it, it feels like an appropriate like a really appropriate representation. And I don't know whether or not I should be laughing at this or I should be mad at this, but I'm like wow. <laughs> Like I, I'm I got sick. a I got a good kick of it uh, from it, so yeah, I'm kind of smiling about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I don't know. I, I, I just felt like Mamoru Soda in a very creepy, haunting yet respect, uh, respectable way, knows us to a certain degree. I'm like, <laughs> wow. <laughs> I don't, I don't know what to say. Um. <laughs> uh, Yet, I think, too, where I think another point where it really does flesh out this sort of uh, putting on this mask was, uh, okay, that confession scene over at the bus station. Ah. Oh, that was, I, lo- yeah. I loved uh, how that was shot. That oh. was so cool. Oh, like, my gosh. I- <laughs> Oh my I gosh. love experimental. I, I know it's not like super experimental filmmaking, but I just love when they do something different like that. It's just, it, it makes my film major heart sing. <laughs> okay. I, I want to look. Okay. Okay. Dakota, would you like to dissect the scene? Oh my God. I, I, I feel like ironically, it, um, what kind of makes the scene brilliant is what you don't see. It's Ooh. the fact that, it's not um they kind of abandoned the invisible style of editing for five seconds to basically be like let's actually have a lot of the action happen off screen while we're just sitting here as the audience hanging with the same awkwardness that um um Hiroka had um no it wasn't Hiroka it was Aruka that Ruka had to like endure at the moment right like we had to sit there with that same anxiety as they're like talking off to the side like she isn't even there about like what, what, what are we gonna do? How are we gonna say it? Are we gonna say it the right way? Like, yeah, you gotta do it. You gotta just. Mm. And I want to interject you know? here to give to give a little bit of background. Ruka is a popular girl who knows how to play the saxophone in her jazz club. Uh, Chikami is an unpopular dude, very energetic, who loves canoeing, but nobody wants to join his club and stuff. And Why does I he do? love that dude. dude. What a mad! What a freaking Chad that guy is. Along with Hiroka probably my two favorite characters oh my god dude when he when he goes up i, I know it was like a punchline, but i just love how hasoda inserts it where he's just like oh you're rooting for me so that must mean you have that a little is- crush on me crush on me yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. i love i love I was- the f- i love the f- oh yeah go ahead cliff i was like what but yeah, he when he's, he first said that to uh, Suzu, and then he said that to uh, Taruka. I was like, "Is that his catchphrase or something?" Like, <laughs> I gotta I gotta take notes about of this man. Okay, I I think this is a this is a really good revealing way because I could like, I like yeah. Go ahead. I don't know, man. Like I don't, I look if that's his quirk, that's his quirk. But I wouldn't expect to use that as a pickup line. I don't know. It, like it seems like a really f- it's like. 
it's a very sly way to dodge it. It was like, oh, no, it's just a joke. But it could also just be tongue-in-cheek. And then when Ruka hears it, oh, my God. <laughs> like, yeah. the awkwardness. His face was flashing so hard. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was so freaking funny. I so, Sorry, really quick. Uh, Miss, I know there's something you wanted to say earlier. Oh, I was, I was saying you... Um, <laughs> Just overall with like how human that scene is, like how you mentioned and like that anticipation, it's very just reminiscent of, I think, everyone's experience, especially because, of course, a love confession, that is a big thing. And even though it, it's kind of like a small, awkward human moment that we all have, the the way that the camera angles and how we are put into that suspense, like you said, like it just, I think it puts us in that shoes and also gives us that reminiscence and I think it's definitely a pivoting point, especially when they did mention Belle, and she's just like, oh, gotta escape, gotta escape, gotta escape. <laughs> <laughs> just the awkwardness of everything. I, I adored it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. And there's so much more awkwardness to talk about right after the break. Jonathan Josar Beltran with the crew. Marvin, a.k.a. Marth. Ethical Missa. A cliff. It's your boy, Rev. And the Dex. Welcome to your backdoor anime hangout that is Otaku Wireley. We are talking about Mamoru Hosoda's latest film at the time of this recording, Bell. And we were just on the topic of awkwardness. I know, very weird jumping off point. However, I, I think really where I want to jump off here is just the how wonderful the scene is. Because we've mentioned earlier just how brilliant it is to just be in the room of that awkwardness. I am one of those guys who likes little details. And one of the ones that I really did appreciate was, uh, so just before, like just, uh, before the whole confession thing, when Ruka and Chikamine see each other, you see the, the train and the bus just passed by and whatnot. And I don't know, for me, that little detail really made me happy to rewatch it again because it signifies like, yeah, no, you're going to be stuck here. You, there's no way to get out. It's either you stay. It's uh, you got to confront it now. Get it out now. And I, I think, too, what I love about the scene is that it's all just one shot. You are sitting there while Ruka is blushing hard and Chikami realizing that there is actually somebody who who actually is attracted to him and he's blushing hard. <laughs> and yeah, no, I, I think for me, this scene is just, it's very Hamamura Hosoda, if you will, just kind of enjoying those very human elements uh, that make his movies just stand out all the more. He was always really exceptional at being able to create like very realistic tension um, in very relatable ways, but at the same time, still in some regard, like making it feel special, like not like just something that, you know, it's like, oh, you know, I can relate to that. It's you, you honestly feel like you're there in the moment. Right, right, right. And I, I'll just say this: I, when it, when I'm watching the screener, I always go back to that moment because it just feels 
it, it's not like painful real, but it's such a. I, I know there's like a difference between human and real, but I think in this case it's just human because there is something so charming, something so awkward. It's just like this wonderful mix of emotions all going in here because there's happiness, there's joy, there's this sort of fear that, okay, I just poured my heart out. What's going to happen next for both parties? And yeah love this scene i i would say it's like one of the more iconic ones over there and i actually want to shift it over to i may not know where each of you stand with uh, with your familiarity with Hosoda films but how does this compare with uh, his other films i think um this compares a little bit more deeper just um because it's love and love is very universal but also because this is like a very like new young love versus like um with like his other ones with like the one where of course it's more valued towards family um i can't i'm forgetting the name already the the one with where the daughter's name's future oh mirai oh mirai mirai thank you i'm like i always forget but um but like with mirai i think the human element in there is much more drawn to family and I think kind of um, the differences between the two are there, but because they're kind of like similar moments or because they have like those realistic human moments that everyone can kind of be a part of, I think that's what kind of makes them so special because they're so different, but because they both kind of have those same impacts. Like, of course, with Mirai, um, of course, that is his film where it's a little boy and he is now a big brother but he has to kind of get along with his younger sister in a very imagined stylized way but of course the mischief that they get into and the impasse that they get into um like it's much more like learned over time versus with bell and whatnot this is a very in the moment like now or never kind of situation right and right. you know vastly different I think both both those films kind of have those impacts in those ways. Um, I definitely see the heavy inspiration that did come from Summer Wars, as I kind of mentioned before, like a lot of um, how you was um, set up reminded me a lot of like um, Oz and sort of the world in which they inhabited there, the sort of social media-esque kind of connection that people had, though. The really interesting thing about Summer Wars is, you know, it was a 2009 interpretation. Now we're seeing a 2022 interpretation. Mm-hmm. It's so interesting just to kind of see how it evolved and sort of how it grew um, since social media was so young back then. So just in terms of like um, some of the design choices they made in terms of how they sort of show the world of you. I, I think like um, if you've seen Summer Wars, you see kind of a progression sort of not just in his work, but also just in his portrayal of technology. But he also um, I would also say that um, Osoda san really um, excels at being able to look at how technology really kind of interconnects with human relationships and all but not doing it in like the cliche. Oh, it's all bad or, you know, oh, it's all, um, you know. Or, or like you know oh it's all good it's a very balanced sort of look at it, it looks at it in terms of it, it looks at this relationship really in a really detailed way 
Um, and oftentimes in a very optimistic way, like how we can work with this world, even if it, you know, is, you know, it gives us good and also gives us bad. But similarly too, I feel like, um, uh, I, I wouldn't really compare them. I wouldn't really compare his works in terms of quality. I just sort of see like different aspects of his work and all sorts of, I mean, all the different films in which he had made up until this point, like with wolf children, um, which is actually a movie I, sh I showed my folks. Um, I, you know, I, th I thought that really like captured um, a lot of, I, th I think like the visceral emotion that really like we saw in this movie as well. Like I, I think Wolf Children to me was always his most emotional piece, his most sentimental to me. Um, and I feel like Bell sort of brought that back in many ways. Mm -hmm. Um, oh, I, I'd have to think. Um, he has such a career. Um, um, but I, I, I think I'll end it there. I, th I feel like everybody has already said a lot of really sort of, um, you know, had a lot of really good input and. I think to me, I'm just really sort of interested in seeing like how his work has progressed. Right. I think for me, uh, someone who has seen uh, most, if not all of his, dis uh, not discography, yeah, <laughs> his filmography, uh, I'd like to jump off from your point about the uh, about his depiction on the internet because I'll honestly say this: like it, it is, it is a uh, shocking scary and also very admirable as to how he was able to just include all the details tell the story using using elements of the internet because digimon our war game is pretty much 2000s era internet where it's just a like the world is just getting connected and whatnot in a very relatively early stage of the internet. Then we get to summer wars where it gets a lot more detail where it becomes this sort of hub for people to do to not only just engage with one another to connect with one another but also do business and in bell it is it is just continually expanding where it is now this whole wide world uh this vast um landscape of like people uh creating avatars making their own kind of unique lives in there and Mm. Yeah, it's it's so surprising, at least to me, where it's like Hosoda-san is very forward thinking. And I feel like even like earlier works like the previously mentioned Digimon, our war game feels so ahead of its time back in 2000. It's shocking. And to see how much he's grown and not only just continues to understand about the Internet, but really have this humanity to it like this sort of relatability that yeah the internet is a thing and it is also driven by people it is there is a reason why it is an ingrained lifestyle for some and how some people actually kind of want to um do certain things in there i i find that impressive and not only that in terms of just the sentimentality as we have all mentioned with Hasoda films, I, I think it really kind of comes kind of comes back to a more what is it uh, like a self compassion, uh, self sacrifice sort of sort of thing where we see the self sacrifice in works like Wolf Children, where we see this sort of self love in like uh, Mirai or even the Girl Who Leapt Through Time and Boy and the Beast, and it's all just culminating this just 
Uh, <laughs> I mean, if it wasn't already indicative from the past uh, minutes of me talking, it's like, I just find this movie brilliant. And yeah, I, I, I think for me, this is such a great extension into Mamoru Hosoda as a creative, as a visionary, and as a director. I usually look at Hosoda films and try to place it as like what where his understand like again with Mira I consider it a checkpoint movie just the same as I consider a uh, girl that led through time like his other checkpoint movie like or not girl or girl led through time and wolf children right yeah. like you it's a you can see what he at that point believed was his understanding of life you know and he places it into his film I don't think this movie is going to be a, his checkpoint movie like for for currently but one of the big points that I want to like point out i guess is in summer wars and in to an extent uh this war game like he, the he puts a very interesting relationship between humanity and the internet you know and especially in this war game you realize like how far forward thinking he is and how prevalent all of the things like that our, our reliance on the internet has become but uh he he really displays a really deep understanding of the relationship between humans and the interconnectivity of the phenomenon of the internet and being able to connect with someone across the planet in seven seconds you know like every single person on the world is connected and what does that mean for a, a human that exists in a world where like we we have all this connection with everyone but at the same time we don't really connect with anyone because it's all online through our internet personas and i feel like that's a thing that he's tackling in this film versus in summer wars for example like summer wars was really highlighting our reliance on connectivity and our over reliance on the internet's existence in general you know like we we see the entire system of the world fall apart in summer world or in summer wars because the the virus love machine is shutting down the traffic lights it's interfering with the people hitting the medical buttons and all the fire responders have to go out in traffic and try to like figure out why all the the hospice cares are like phones are beeping you know like it, it like our reliance on the internet could really bring down our society pretty sure covid the covid-19 pandemic had a really big influence on writing of this film because this film isn't so much that the internet completely relies on you but it's your it's it's about your representation with your online persona which you can consider a second person that you that you are or you're trying to be you know and he's he's really bringing that concept of a duality of your of yourself in the film which is something that no one really talks about and again i think he's very forward thinking about our relationship with the internet it's really deep yeah yeah i know when we did when uh i did the interview with him he did point out uh that as a point of uh inspiration especially with beauty and the beast where there's uh it's kind of like that clash of like you know who are you really uh yeah again yeah. this whole appearance. film is about duality and like seven layers exactly yeah sevenality <laughs> exactly and i i think for me this film really is like how, how do i describe it it's it's such a multi-layered uh film that i the more i really talk about it with the crew the more i realize like there is so much to unpack and i i feel like I, i'm still learning new things um as we speak about it i i love the point that you mentioned about how he depicts the internet from like uh his previous films like with uh 
Digimon our war game just in the early days of the internet where um if I could put a little bit of my two cents there a lot of the youth are primarily the ones who are interacting with it uh with summer wars we see how much we are incredibly reliant on the internet to a fault and now with bell we see how much it is it has become a sort of lifestyle sort of place for all yeah, of us it's not have. so much we need the internet to survive it's more like in this world the internet lets you become you right yeah which is really cool because the place is called you <laughs> exactly yeah uh <laughs> and I, I like how he doesn't he doesn't really like he sees it in an optimistic way with the internet like there is potential in it to not only just connect with people it's also to help others to really realize what your true self is it the thing that is the biggest challenge is whether or not you want to keep that private uh in the online space because you're cer you're certainly given that privilege to live out uh, a second life uh, yeah, he definitely world. it goes on to another layer of like just having a duality and having a second personality that you can be online and being and representing yourself as that second personality that you're very confident in and when it comes to the whole unveiling aspect, it's like, now, why is it such a problem for you to try to accept that your online persona can also just be you, mm -hmm. you know, like this online persona that I have, I guess, uh, in, in a way, I'm a lot more talkative when it comes to online, but in person, uh, I'm just like, uh, you know, like, what do yeah. you guys want to do, you know, like, I'll sit here and I'll try to make the small talk, but when I'm online, I can just like blurt out everything. And why is it different? when I'm online that I can blurt out all these things. Why can't I combine those two, two things together? Right. You know? And it, it puts that question like at the forefront, like just sitting on your table in front of you, like, why is it like that? And then he really, again, it's not a Hasoda movie until you sit there at the end of the movie and think this applies to me, but why? <laughs> right, right. Missa, you had something to say. I think a part of like why and whatnot, because like, um, with the internet and everything, even though it's kind of its own place, if we like argue and debate about it, um, like there's almost like a barrier between the screen and us and everything. And so I think the, I think the internet kind of gives more bravery because even though um, there are people who will troll you or be like, oh, you're the worst and da, 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 like we can kind of just chalk it up or just be like, oh, they're on a screen. But when it's real life, of course, you don't have that barrier and everything. So you're not as brave. Like if I'm on camera right now, because right now I'm just in sweatpants, a crop top, and my hair is messy AF. And so usually, of course, I wouldn't, I wouldn't state that and everything, but because of this kind of barrier and whatnot, it's not like anyone's going to see me. It's not like anyone's going to be like, oh, you look terrible. And even if they do, it can be like, eh, you're just an internet troll. I think kind of that, um, that buffer that we have. Overall, and we kind of see that with with Belle and everything, because at first she's like getting all this hate, and like, or she kind of chalks uh, her friend chalks it up and being like, "Oh, it's just haters, it's just trolls and whatnot." But everyone's talking about her in this positive way, and everyone's kind of speculating and doing all this, and I think we can just chalk it up to that that invincibility. I think we feel when we are on the internet. Right, and I think uh, another aspect that I'd like to tap in here as well is this sort of second chance at life where 
it, it feels like in real life, it's we already gave out who we are, and it's already kind of it, it. It's there's this immediacy that people can already tell. Like we see it with Suzu, where you could tell from her body language, you could tell by the way that she doesn't want to talk to others and whatnot, her reluctance to do so, especially with her childhood friend. And with you, it's, uh, and especially in general, just with social media and the internet, it's like, I kind of have this second lease in life. I have this second chance where I could do things, where I could really flex out uh, what I think, what I think and know I'm good at and whatnot. Uh, and then when it comes to just revealing oneself out in a public form, such as the internet, it, it there is limitless potential, both in the good and the bad, where they're going to see all, all the things. One, there's like the expectation of who we are in the internet, such as with like how people see Belle, like who in the world is this girl? Where is she like a celebrity or something like that? Reality very much a rural girl, high school girl. And there's also this sort of fear where it's, if I do reveal myself, like how will that impact others? How will that impact the rest of the world? Will they be disappointed? Will they take me for who I am? It's scary because anyone could say anything. Sure, there's like that uh, online police per se yet even then like it is still knowing that uh, people can give out their opinions uh under the guise of anonymity yeah i really like that he tackles duality very strongly in this film because uh again uh he's very very he's really engaged with the idea of like tackling the family structure and like your history and your how everything develops to make you who you are. But this movie is straight up just tackling yourself and your own opinions and what makes you who you are. You know, it's not so much you're like, you're not built up of the experiences of your bloodline. You're built up of the experiences of everything that you've lived through. And that's what this, uh, that's how I feel like this movie is trying to tell you. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like there's also that element of family too, given that, uh, in that scene where she's taking a bus to Tokyo, uh, the father did say you, like, uh, your mother's spirit lives lives in you, or like that sa- self sacrificing spirit of your mother lives in okay, you. Okay, yes, in a way, yeah, that is definitely exactly what he's trying to say. But it, the perspective that I see isn't so much that like you're you're all these things happen to make you who you are, where it's like a like a you know, like a there was a there's a word when like it comes to time travel plots. There's like I think it's like culmination theory, okay. where like the entire world happens. So like if you really think about it, it, it it in this perspective, all the dinosaurs died, so we could be talking about Bell right now. <laughs> you know, culmination theory. All of history culminated for this one moment. You know, I'm gonna slap my hand. All of history happened, so I slapped my hand right there. Hmm. You know, that's kind of like what, like a long-standing like history theme. Like you can take it at that perspective at face value, and it just sounds really stupid, right? But this film is more about like how her experiences 
made her the person she is, which is a very different take on every single film that I've seen from him at this point, that in my true. opinion, at least. Oh, yeah, that's definitely because true. She, she wouldn't be going this far out of her way to help some random stranger if it wasn't for her mom helping her, which is the what I see as her coming to terms with her trauma and understanding why her, her mother did that. You know, it wasn't so much that she wanted to abandon her, which is what she felt growing up the entire time. Like her mom just wanted to do something that would that put herself at danger and she couldn't understand why. She dove into like the flooding waters of a river for a kid that she doesn't know and sacrificed herself to get that kid to safety. You know, like she's dealing with that trauma and in a way like it directly parallels the idea of you're you're trying to become the person you are via all the experiences that you live versus all the like all of history culminating to be make you who you are right you know it's two different arguments and this is a different argument he's making in this movie and i think he does it really well by like comparing it to your personalities over the internet and giving it that duality aspect so. actually i came up just now with like a reverse argument go which is really funny because it, it's still telling the same thing but it's like two negatives make a positive you know what i mean Ooh, yeah but it's like uh the idea that like okay so going back to the idea of duality again like you're your perfect version of yourself online but to that extent everyone else is also the perfect version of themselves online you know so it's like you're unique just like everyone else <laughs> But that's kind of what like the whole avatar things is about, you know, like everybody is their own avatar online and everybody can be the person that they think they want to be. But no one's actually being themselves. They're being their online versions of themselves. And again, he's tackling that aspect with the what's her face, the the baby person, the who has the fake family. And, you know, like mm -hmm. she's being the version of herself that she wants to be. And she thinks that she's like entitled to all of her opinions because she's lonely. That was what we ended up figuring out at the end, you know, right. And it's like, is the real version of you, like the person that you're, are like, again, now is it, is the real version of you the one that's online or the real version of you the one that's behind the screen that's like willing to make all these fake images of her family to make everyone believe that her like stock photo family is the real one. Right. So like it, it to that extent, like is the online version of her the real her or is the real life version of her the real her, the one that's faking being her? I feel like I'm doing that one uh, Tyler the Creator meme. Yeah. Like, so you're really gonna do that on my birthday with the birthday and the birthday cake with the birthday. yeah yeah <laughs> happy birthday <laughs> happy birthday <laughs> yeah 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 it, it sounds like this weird Ouroboros chicken in the egg argument yeah that's honestly he does this he does he tackles that in this movie multiple times in multiple layers it's like a croissant of duality like a seven layer croissant of duality no there's like more layers on that croissant you just get like croissant yeah. of duality of sevenality yeah <laughs> and more with this with this movie no it, it's as i said said before the more we unpack the more layers we keep unraveling. It's kind of like an onion. <laughs> There's layers. It really is. Emotional damage. Yeah. I do want to say, at the time of recording, Bell has made its widespread theatrical release on the 14th of January up to the 20th of January. For tickets and more information, visit bellfilm.com. That is B-E-L-L-E. 
film.com. And so, show host Jonathan Joseph Beltran with Marvin, aka Mark. Mythical Missa. Cliff. It's your boy Rev. And the deck signing out. So, once again, time of recording. Bell makes its widespread theatrical release 14th of January up to the 20th of January. Tickets and more information, visit bellfilm.com. That is B E L L E film.com.